You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. From the Pacific to the Rocky Mountains and around the world, you're listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast, episode 308. We are three real-world developers who make a living with the PHP programming language and use it to code up tomorrow's legacy code today. We live stream every Thursday night. If you're here and you want to be part of the live stream, you can do that by joining us in our Discord at discord.phpugly.com and be part of the show. This is our Discord. Hello, Discord. Uh, I am stressed out this, this time, this intro. I'm very stressed out because I'm I'm... I'm steering the ship today, and I've got a lot of things running through my head. But we would like to thank a few groups for making our stream a little better. Uh, first, our Patreon supporters, um, our patrons on Patreon. We thank you very much. Uh, we also have a couple of sponsors, HoneyBadger.io and Cloudways. We'll talk about all of them a little later in the show. Uh, we will get to everybody, I promise. Allow me to introduce myself. I am your humble host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me tonight is John Congdon. I like the layout. And Tom Rideout. I disprove. I've got to switch over to John when, when I introduced him. Damn. I had that all set up, and I forgot to do it. Damn. Wow, I just got dizzy. Yeah, we were told not to use the fade effect. You, you're going to have to get the move plugin for OBS. Well, all right. If if you're tuning in or you're wondering what's going on, we've actually been streaming for about 20, 30 minutes now. Um, Tom is going to be out of town next week. Tom normally handles OPS or has been handling OPS for the last couple of years. Uh, so I kind of reset everything up on my machine so I could control OPS. So if Tom calls in, he doesn't have to worry about it. Um, so there may be some weirdness going on there 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 are some different layouts i thank you john for noticing that the layouts are a little cleaner i like how I, slow I, the ticker at the bottom is going yeah i, I was going back and forth on that it's, it's really slow yeah i figured all it has to do is get through Gosh. within an hour like get through all the names in an hour and see we should be good uh, that might be close then but yeah, back in the day, like way back in the day, I used to uh, I used to handle all the streaming stuff, all the OBS stuff, and all that. And then um, eventually, Tom decided he wanted to give a no take a crack at it. I complained that I wanted a stream deck <clears throat> and that you had one, and so you you literally mailed me the stream deck and said, "Fine, it's your fucking problem now." <laughs> that's right that's how it happened that is not how it happened at all you're such I, a liar that's absolutely how it happened I, I, I think he's right I, like, I'm whether, done. whether or not like mailing me the stream deck the goal was to get me to like edit the video whenever you give me something 
you have to make it like it has to be about me making the podcast better. And so you gave me the stream deck and you said, now it's your problem. You're handling the video and, and God damn, I do a good job. That's that slow scroll. Is really- All right, so you told me I need to install some plugins, and I actually looked at a couple of plugins to install. But here we go again. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm Linux full time. Uh, Pop OS is what I'm running, and Pop OS. Maybe other distros are doing this as well, but I've been on Pop OS for a couple of years now, and Pop OS is really pushing hard to flat packs, and I don't know how to install plugins. So the OBS I'm running is a flat pack. I don't know how to install a plugin here because I can't install it in my system because uh, the flat pack is its own kind of directory, its own little uh, garden. How does it normally work in other systems? Is it you just so drop a other, file in a, in a directory or no? No, in other systems, uh, it's it's part of your system, right? So OBS installs as a regular package. And then, yeah, the OBS uh, plugins essentially install into a directory. But yeah, the 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 package knows how to install into into that directory, but it doesn't. There's no flat pack version of a plugin. So, by my understanding, you have to edit the flat pack once it's installed. So you have to mount it as if it was a device. Edit it and then unmount it back into a flat pack. It's, oh, that it's, sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, it's unpleasant. Yeah, I, I was going to try to build it from build it from source and then manually move because they're just SO files, right? They're just single file typically. Yeah, and uh, I was going to just try to build things by source and then and manually put it in the flat pack directory and see if that worked. But the one I tried to build just didn't like me because when you're trying to build it, you actually have to tell it where your OBS source is. I assume it just checks certain libraries and stuff. And when I did that for the flat pack, it just kind of barked at me. It's like, Hey, hey, hey this is not, this is not an install. What is this? So, yep. I'm not a fan of flat packs. They're coming along, no. but well, you I tell you, I mean, you're on Pop OS, sure, and Pop OS will prefer flat packs, but you have no requirement to use a flat pack. So here's here's the problem with that approach, and I agree with you, and and that was my, my mentality before I did my uh, rebuild, which I you know did a few months back, was that I I always installed the Debian package. The issue with that, and Pop OS is very forward with this. They don't keep those packages up to date anymore. If you want a current version of software, you have to install the flat pack. They're not, they're not trying to keep the Debian packages up to date. And I guess a lot of developers aren't keeping the Debian packages up to date. My my problem is between Snap, Flat Pack, and Debian packages, I always forget what's installed, and I often end up with multiple versions where I'll install yep. with Flatpak and Snap, and then which one launches is whichever one happens to come up in my little quick find or whatever they call it launcher. Yep, and and again, it used to be, it used to be that uh, Pop OS, if you had two installed, it would show you 
the flat pack version in the Debian version. Now it doesn't do that. I, ha- I so I did install the OBS uh, Debian, and it was a few versions behind. But I installed the flat pack, and now whenever I go to launch it, Pop OS won't even show me the Debian package installed, and I never uninstalled it. It won't even hmm. show it to me. It'll just say, "Hey, you have a flat pack installed. Here it is." Interesting. There was an yeah. interesting survey about software developers who didn't tell their family members what they did for a living because then they would have to support them installing things on their computer. <laughs> and this reminds me so much of like like explaining to my grandpa like you, there's not going to be an icon. You have to you have to manually create icons because this is a it's a command line launched thing and there's a K icon creator that works for KDE that you can use that helps with this stuff but like compile from source what are you doing you're on linux download the source code compile it on your local machine and run it from there run a nightly build oh you're talking about obs itself sure yeah, why are maybe why are you guys, you guys are relying on packages being built for you on a nightly basis? That's wild to me. No, oh, really shut up, Mac OS. Fuck you. You don't build I, shit. I got it. I got. I, I want to get this. I have a complaint. We hear it. While while it is scary, you're supposed to be wearing Halloween shirts this month. I thank you for asking, John. I appreciate that. I am actually wearing a Halloween shirt, a geeky one. <laughs> so I just saw the Arrow 404, so I was like, it is scary, but... <laughs> All right, stop. <laughs> Please stop. Yeah, a little bit of a dance. <laughs> we just lost half our listener, our viewers. No, we got Patreon supporters out there. The tip jar, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so here's Sorry. my other issue with flat packs. Patreon, just because of Eric's dance right there. Note it in the sign-up form. You there's a there's a notes field. Note it in the sign-up form. I will send you an extra sticker. <laughs> we I won't do anything. I, we, I will dance every week if we get more Patreon supporters from it. I will totally do that. Um so here's my other problem with flat packs is that they are freaking huge. Like they're like gigs, gigs of install. It's crazy how big a flat pack is. I've never downloaded a flat pack. I I don't think. I think I've always done. If I've done flat pack, it's through the Papua shop. Otherwise, it's I've been able to download the Debian package. Yeah, or so source code, and I that. compile it from source because I'm a real man. Is that is that what I'm supposed to say? Yes, Mr. Tom. Yeah. No. Yeah, I uh, I uh, I just use well, I use the command line. There's a command line flat pack install, and then yeah, I think Pop OS. Yeah, Pop OS does the flat pack install for you as well. I, I, I you probably can download a flat pack. I don't. I don't know. I've never done that. So am um, I just like showing my my age when I use Yum? I have no. That's fine. That's a di- just a different distro altogether. But yeah, and and everyone has to because npm is such a dumpster fire. Npm. What does npm, NPM have to do with yum? 
Oh no, you're right. I'm not yarn. Not yarn. <laughs> We're like jumping all sorts of technologies here. You are you are not you are not a tech. Oh, not yum ass. I'm I'll say ass. yum. That's funny you should say yum because that was Susa. I thought you were was, a red hat was, guy. Yeah, yeah so it, it, is Debian still. No yeah, apps. Yeah, it's dev packages. Red Hat are RPMs. Are they used to be? Maybe I'm showing my age. It used to be RPMs. Yeah. So, so CentOS still RPMs, but yeah, CentOS is a Debian fork. So apt get what all that stuff is Deb packages. We are just spinning our wheels here. I don't think you're right on any of those points, Tom. To be honest with you, I know they're Deb packages because apt apt install is just a Deb dash i. Yeah, that's. That is that is a Debian right, thing, that's a right? Debian package. I didn't uh, think that was CentOS. RPMs I haven't dealt with in forever. But CentOS uses Yum versus Apt. Uh, anyways, this is a PHP uh, podcast. I was a cent. I was a CentOS person for a long time, so I got confused. I meant Apt. Well, I was I was SUSE for a long time, and then I was Gentoo. Uh, Stage three, if that turns anyone on. <laughs> Probably more than Eric's dancing, just to say. Hey, well, the great that was thing about beautiful dancing. The great thing about a, a Gentoo stage three install was that you you booted off of a kernel and then ch rooted into the kernel that you compiled during the process. It's like you literally switched OSs on the fly. It was the coolest thing in the world. Eric, you're, I'm switching topics again. Your shirt is reminding me. I, I played Rocket League earlier with somebody named I'm a Teapot. And they were on the other team. And I text, I, I wrote just saying 418 question mark. And they said, they responded with HTTP status code uh, 418. It's a geek thing. I was like, I know my name is literally PHP architect in this game. <laughs> Well, in the At fact this- <laughs> that you said 418, like that wasn't in the title, was it? No. So you, the fact that you even said 418 should have been, a, you know, pretty obvious. You knew what you were talking about. Right. Well, as far as I knew, I looked it up. I don't know. But then they, at the same time, I said, I know I'm a PHP geek. They said, oh, you you probably knew that, knew that already because you do PHP, you know, or since you're a PHP architect. It was just. It was funny. And then my teammate was like, get a room. And he was not a very nice teammate. He was mad that I was Rocket League. <laughs> talking Rocket League. Yep. Full of nice teammates. Full of them. You get them all the time. Oh, man. It's just fun being, being a geek sometimes and seeing things like that out in the wild. I'm going to be playing a lot of Rocket League soon. Like a Why lot is that? Well, I'm going to Silicon Valley, which feels like achieving your dreams as a PHP developer. Where you're it's like, the going to Silicon Valley. The the yeah, exactly. It's the the mecca of software development, and and boy, did I just start to lose my shit this afternoon. Because you're going, yeah. Because well, I, so 
Oh, that, I, honestly, I don't know if Silicon Valley is that great because I, I don't think it's at, as much of a like urban area as like San Francisco itself, which is really where like all the geeks like to hang out. Silicon Valley are, I think, are like the the corporate geeks, the the money. Yeah. So I do have I have two Google photo albums ready. One of them is the. Uh, official hey how was your trip to the headquarters and one of them is look at all these freaks acting like this shit is normal and and so like the guy writing the penny farthing going to starbucks that guy goes in the weird silicon valley shit column penny farthing is that the bike with the huge front wheel and yeah, the, the tiny back wheel? wheel okay and yeah. i'm and I'm wondering what he's the CEO of. <laughs> and then and then there's gonna be the like, hey, here's me in front of Alphabet headquarters and 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 uh formerly you're, Petco. Wait, you're 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 leaving the hotel. Yeah. The whole thing's are, a mess. Are you gonna be like handcuffed? Are they forcing you to? I'm confused. They're they're not forcing me to. I would say the environment in which things cost money to live is forcing me to. I do have to pay for stuff. And being in Silicon Valley is one of the requirements. I, I'm very excited. So much so that it, it uh, buffer overflowed into my terror section of my mind. So I'm super, super thrilled going to take this trip uh, much lower. It's at the bottom of the bay for the video viewers. Uh, we cannot so, hear you, Eric, in this screen. Sorry about that. No, 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 no. Uh, I, I, I was I, muted. Uh, okay. I was wondering why there was a heart there. I'm like, why is there a heart there? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's where my kid lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's one of my plans is to call up uh, let's say Discord members who want to hang out and grab a drink and uh, discuss D&D and mental illness. <laughs> You're being called which, out, Eric. Which is usually the, usually the same general conversation. Um, I, have a, I have a Halloween party on Thursday. I am ready for... Yeah, uh, Eric is out here doxing his own children. <laughs> so, so you're going to be in Silicon Valley on Halloween? Is that the deal? Uh, no. So I will I will be getting back the day before Halloween. And but you, but there will be a Halloween party while you're there. Is, is that the, what you're saying? While I'm there, the Halloween party is going on, and uh, it's you know cool. like it's hard to express. Like every day when my wife comes home trying to express upon my wife like the how progressive and smart and great the company I work for is is also mixed in with like oh my god the coding problem I had today was total chaos and I'm losing my mind but like the company I work for is so amazing and I'm really excited to meet all of the people that work there and to work with them in the office. 
but I'm also terrified of the whole experience of like going somewhere and not being at home. And also the expectation that I didn't forget anything, which is already like, I have an empty suitcase and an empty laptop bag and I'm freaking about, about the things I forgot to put in them. Which is everything at this point. You know, but, but you know, uh, it, you know what going there is going to be. What I smell? I smell a Segway. No, Eric was. You, do you, do you know what going there is going to be a perfect opportunity to do? Talk to them about going to tech. Talk to them about sponsoring tech. Oh, that's going to be no. That's high on the list. I was so I was so ready to hit the Cloudways button. I thought that's where you, I honestly thought that's where you were going, John. Welcome, welcome no. to my world. Welcome. No, no I wanted I want, the segue. Not yet. I wanted to hear about that, and then you can do whatever you want to I do will, for that. No, I will absolutely. I will not be speaking at a user group. I will. I will try to attend a user group if there is one. Joe Ferguson. You always did a great job speaking at our user group. Why would you not do that? No, he really didn't. <laughs> we we forget that, that was an alcohol provided user group, and that you don't think it would be in Silicon Valley for Grand Lab? No, and and that you guys were also drinking, so you thought I did great. Oh, good point. Good point. I will I, see what I can do about user group attendance. The only thing I would tell you, as far as forgetting things, because this is a real concern uh, Mrs. Shokum has when we travel, is forgetting things. And I've learned, because I've done a lot of traveling, as well as traveling to other countries, and it's a pretty consistent pattern, I see, that there are stores in just about everywhere you go. Like, we're not going, like, in the wilderness <laughs> So whatever you forget, there's a good chance you can buy it. Or if Toothpaste. you lose it in the airport, you could probably find somewhere to buy it. <laughs> Go buy a new laptop if you need to. Probably walk right out the store with one. I was now, I was ninety. I had a friend that did that once. Ninety percent <laughs> expecting the worst transition to a Cloudways advertisement I've ever heard. <laughs> All right, let's pay something. some bills. We're gonna pay some bills. I'm not gonna segue like Tom does. Things you never forget. Pay some bills. The one thing you won't forget is to pay the bills. This video is brought to you by Cloudways. We are all developers and love to write code, but managing the servers that that code runs on can be a time-consuming and error-prone process. Cloudways helps you spend less time managing your servers and more time doing what you really want to do, coding. You only need one account to manage servers on multiple platforms and for multiple customers. Pick just the server size and location that makes the most sense for you and your customers. You can even estimate your costs for your server before spinning it up. Cloudways offers peace of mind and flexibility so you can focus on growing your business instead of dealing with server management. With Cloudways, you get an optimized stack, managed servers, backups, a staging environment, integrated Git, pre-configured Composer, 24-7 support, and a choice of five different cloud providers. Amazon Web Services, DigitalOcean, Linode, Google Cloud, and Vulture. Get a discount of 20% for three months using the code PHPARCH. Check them out today. Thank you, Cloudways. Thank you, Cloudways. 
So <laughs> we as we, we as we were we, in commercial, <laughs> we come we came to a realization. Um, we we have been recording for a long time because, like I said earlier, I am working on my OBS setup. What we didn't do is start our other separate stream recording where we rec- just record our audio. That's what I use to edit together the audio podcast. It allows me to clean up everybody's stream. I cut out segments where, you know, like just didn't make sense or whatever. And boom, you know, we get, get going. Yeah, we forgot to do that because that's normally my job before the stream starts. When I start to do my <laughs> intro, I'll start recording because we get the uh, we get the times lined up so I know where commercials are. Because the commercials don't come come across on the audio stream that we, we record. So if you're listening to the audio podcast, you're thinking to yourself, hey, this quality isn't as good as it normally is. It's because I ripped it from the YouTube stream. So sorry. Oops. It happens. It, it's not so much because you're running the running OBS. It's that we started recording a half hour early. Well, so. It's all good. It'll Opinions can differ. Some It'll jobs are better than others. Hey, don't forget to click this link. That's an easy job. Whatever. All right, it's your job now, mister. <laughs> <laughs> things, things I don't have access to. All right, we're talking about user groups. John? John? You know who doesn't have a user group? You, you want to know something? I think about it every single day now because it is part of my presentation for the upcoming Longhorn PHP. Oh, that's got to hurt. So every day where I'm practicing my opening and I bring it up, it's like, I know I need to do this. Yes, you really do. I submitted a bunch of resumes that had a bunch of user groups that don't exist on them anymore. I wouldn't worry too much about it. All right. I'm not going to, I don't want to call you out, Tom, but if you don't run a user group for at least a full year, you can't say that you ran that user group. Yeah. Ran, ran Lar- uh, Laravel. SD- ran it to the ground. <laughs> SD log ran for a year and a half. SD log did run for a year and a half. Taylor Otwell, interviews with Caleb Porzio. Uh, no, you didn't. Taylor Otwell, Jeffrey Way. Jeffrey Way. <laughs> Those guys, all of them. Adam, Adam Wathen. We did an interview with Adam Wathen. It was also Caleb. Caleb hadn't invented Livewire yet, or we would have started a Livewire user group, true, I can guarantee you. Uh, no, we did do an episode on the road where Caleb Porzio was interviewed. And I believe that was. I believe I ran PHP. I said, Oh, you're one of my idols. I have to go. (laughs) Caleb did talk to the SD PHP group. That was, we really appreciated that. Back in the early days of Livewire, he's a. Who was our. Who was our MySQL hookup? Dave. Dave Stokes. Yeah. Every time, just like the most amazing presentations. What? What, Joe? Thank you. Thank you, Joe. What? <laughs> Coming to my defense. 
This is why you want to join us for the live stream. The Discord just keeps going. Now, the Discord's with us all week long. We we have chats back and forth. People present us with things they'd like us to talk about on the show, which maybe we'll actually get to this week. Um, but yeah, the Discord is where to be. Uh, I don't want to give. I don't want to keep giving the URL because we we say it too much, and it's on the screen. So if you if you join the live stream, you can kind of see. I got it. I got it down here in the corner now. There was something going on earlier. You said you were going to talk about. Oh well, I don't know what that was, but you shared a picture last week on Twitter where you were in a. I don't. I don't know if it was a farm or just a shop. We, we didn't talk about it last week, did we? It didn't. It didn't happen last week. It wasn't. It, it, was it this? Oh, is this past weekend? Well, it was. Yeah, it was. I think it was this past weekend. Uh, you're talking talking about this year, John? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I I was going to get some spices, and this was just a this was a very uh, concentrated spice farm that I found. <laughs> so uh, I think it was arugula they were growing, growing arugula in the wild. Uh, yeah. Oh, I guess I, I should I should just uh there we go. It does look like marijuana. It's a does it? Is that what marijuana looks like? I wouldn't know what marijuana looks like. <laughs> but yeah, maybe that's what marijuana that might explain why I passed out after I ate those cookies. I'm not it sure. CO two infused artificial light indoor hydroponic grower. Let's I'm go getting, Padres. I, I was okay. getting messages later, like, this might be the cookies talking, but I got this great idea. That is 100% a true story. Like, I'm pretty baked right now, but I got this idea. Yeah. So, I mean, here in the U.S., certain states... Marijuana, cannabis is completely legal to smoke, to eat, to consume recreationally yeah. as well as medically. Those ones blue. Yeah. And, and California is one of them. So I personally do not smoke it anymore. I, I tried it when it first came out, but I, I have some health conditions and this, the whole smoke yeah. thing wasn't working. Even, even vaping, my doctor's like, just don't, don't do yeah. it. Eric's purely on dabs. Yeah, so, uh, but it is a legal thing to do here. It's just just the same as as alcohol, um, you know, kind of kind of the same thing. And oh. with with Biden's recent announcement, it's probably going to be that way nationwide eventually. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he did he did give that universal pardon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, I enjoy exploring. It's one of the things I like to do. And one of the things I'll, I'll explore, uh, I'll explore cannabis stores um, and, and cannabis, cannabis stores here in California, at least the, the range is cr- incredible. Like there'll be cannabis stores that are shady that look like little closets and there are cannabis stores that will put an Apple store to shame and right. everything in between. It's crazy. I, I've had people come from out of town where cannabis was, you know, legal, you know, in their state, and they had nothing like some of the stores we have out here. It's insane. So I've been to some pretty swanky 
cannabis, cannabis stores. It's just one of the things I like to do. I like to explore things. And I live in a new area. So I, we were trying to find, we're still trying to find a good Vietnamese restaurant. And I was in this area where this Vietnamese restaurant had gotten a lot of good, uh, good ratings. And I look over and it was like, it was only the outside of the store. And it was the largest freaking weed store I have ever seen in my life. Like it was the size of like a furniture outlet store. It was massive. I'm like, yep, got to go in there. Got to see what's in behind those doors because that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of real estate there. I need to see what's going on. So I go inside and like, it was like a fairly big store, but it wasn't spectacular. And it definitely wasn't the size of what was on the outside. Like it was a reverse TARDIS. It was smaller on the inside than it looked like on the outside. <laughs> so, you know, I, you know, I'm talking to the guy and, you know, I, 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 I you know, I, I give him some, some money and I'm like, Hey, uh, I, I bought a few products, baby. I don't know. I don't know. Some cookies, some gummies, you know. Bought some, lighter, bought some lighters and coasters. Hey, you, I have to do something with that Patreon money. But uh, so I, I tell the guy, I'm like, hey, I'm like, you know, I got to be honest good. with you. When I walked in here, I was really expecting something like more wow. And he looks at me, he goes, oh, and he gets this little button. And these two shades start going up on the on one of the walls, and that's what I saw. Just like never ending weed. I'm like, you grow on sight. <laughs> yes, we do. We grow on sight. <laughs> I just, I just love that there's some owner of the the faux queue up dispensary next to a Vietnamese restaurant who's like, all right, this this place looks kind of small. What if we added curtains that slowly opened onto the grove oh. and and then there eight other people who were like, "Fuck yeah, that is the best idea in the world!" Like James Bond shit. Like, I, I am I am endlessly fascinated with what stoners will come up with to like a act like they're not stoners, but then B, when you realize they're stoners, they're like, fuck yeah! Look at this! <laughs> like, it's, uh... It's not just you, Eric. I, I don't know if it's okay. going to do on the stream like that, but it's messed up. Alright, alright. So that wasn't just me. That just happened to you as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom, Tom we could, like, barely hear you, and then all of a sudden um, we could hear you again. Perfect. That's how I like things. It's just tight cardioid microphone. Yeah. That if yeah. Oh, it looked it like it happened on the like, stream as well. Yeah. It was like when you when you got excited, all of a sudden your mic was just cut in half, and then it stayed that way for a while, and then all of a sudden you were like back full, and you you could see both Eric and I go, huh? Like, <laughs> I've got a pill for that now. I'm all I'm all set. <laughs> So yeah, so I I I, I, uh, I visited a dispensary, my first one since moving out of San Diego. Uh, I had a couple I I would frequent in San Diego, but uh, yeah, for the for their lighter you, selection. Does anybody want to talk about PHP and coding weeks? <sighs> that might be weird, but we, we should probably do that. Coding weeks. Our our week at our 
our hell week that we've had. That's for damn sure. It wasn't the best week. Why don't you start, John? We had somebody, again, one of our clients has a legacy app that we've made a lot of modifications to. Like we've touched a lot of the code and have improved it. One place that we have been hesitant to touch is the checkout flow, the cart where people can buy and it just works. Everything's fine. Don't want to touch it. I know of a couple of things within there where I'm like, why are we still doing this this way? Like, what's the purpose of it? Um, so someone figured out that they could create an account and try and buy and then do, what, what was it, a bin attack? Or a bin where, where they're trying all the bins of a credit card. They're trying, they tried like yeah. 20,000 credit cards. Not that they were necessarily trying to complete a checkout process because the checkout process is broken down into two steps. It's fill all the information in, go to the next screen, and it's uh, a confirmation. Do you want to complete this purchase? Well, in between there, this old code hits authorize.net and does a check of the credit card and make sure that we can charge it. Everything is fine. And I'm assuming that somebody figured that out. It was like, well, if I don't complete the checkout, I can now go back and try another credit card. And they just cycled through thousands and thousands of uh, tries where we, we saw it stopped it talked about things to put in place to prevent it but this is friday evening so everyone's like oh we'll we'll deal with it monday well (laughs) of course they do they continue over the weekend and come in monday to oh by the way authorize.net to shut us down (laughs) like we can no longer process any transactions okay that was fun jump right on that authorize.net releases their ban Visa says, oh, we're going to continue to ban you for 72 hours minimum because of this. Oh, Yeah, that was not fun. Luckily, client super understanding, like, what's very cool about it. We put things in place right away to do some rate limiting and then continue to improve upon it and came up with just a ton of business rules of, what's allowed, what's not allowed, being proactive in the monitoring. But talk about a stressful week. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when your biggest client gets shut down and can't take money, and that's how they pay you. you and and wanna... it's so weird because it, it was right. such like a niche part of the code that, uh, man, it, it was just like, how did they find that? Like, what a weird thing to find in timings so this is a this is a classic random number generator attack which is write a script that checks for unusual timings in between actions if you look for action one and action two time the difference between them then you can determine if it's using a specific algorithm for encryption and if it's using that algorithm, then you can break it by adjusting the timings. So, like, this is 
That's a very advanced attack. That's like a state-sponsored level attack. Now, what's interesting to me is that... Well, you you doubt my expertise, John? No, I don't doubt your expertise, other than you saying it's a state-sponsored attack on one of our clients, which... It's a high... Well, state-sponsored means that it could come from Russia or North Korea or... No, uh, I understand what you meant by it. Okay, yeah. no, I know what you meant by state sponsor. That's a very advanced. It's a very advanced <laughs> level of attack. What's interesting to me is that the solution is local rate limiting, like rate limiting on the application versus moving entirely to a third party or like a microservice style self rate limiting system, where you say, oh, "Yeah, I've got these three services. Here's their standard rate." for transactions and stop sending it to authorize.net or stop sending it to uh, whatever your processor is before it gets to that processor. Because once it's out of your hands, it's out of your hands. Right. So that's, that's exactly what we did was immediately put in local rate limiting. You can't hit this page more than X times per minute. Okay. And then, in addition to that, let's find a logical number of transactions that you should be able to attempt. Like, how many times are you going to fail entering a credit card number? Or how many times are you going to, how many different credit cards are you really going to try? Granted, you're a college kid and your parents gave you a, a couple of credit cards. Maybe you're going to try a few, but not 20 or 30. So put in some logical business rules. Like once you try this number of, of attempts, you just get locked out. You're done. Like Sure. So let's say you lock a customer out. How do you even know that you've locked a customer out? Is there some kind of error management system that could catch when you intentionally throw a warning or a... a... When you're in production, a thousand things can go wrong. You could deploy a bug in your latest release. Your background jobs can silently fail. Someone could trip over the network cable at your data center. And this all comes back to you. You need to know when bad things happen and be able to respond to them quickly. That's why we built HoneyBadger. It's easy to install HoneyBadger in your back-end applications and front-end JavaScript. It only takes a few minutes of configuration and you'll have monitoring done. That's because we hook into popular web frameworks, job systems, and the browser so that when any of them crash, we can automatically let you know. We ping your application from our global fleet of servers to let you know about problems with connectivity, latency, and SSL certificates. And we monitor your recurring jobs to see if any of them stop recurring. When there's a problem, we alert your team using the tools you already use. We can create issues in GitHub, Jira, and other issue trackers, and send notifications via Slack, PagerDuty, or other channels. When you click through, you'll be taken to detailed information on the error. You'll see things like request parameters, headers, user information, and the backtrace. Click on any line of the backtrace to view it in GitHub, Bitbucket, or your local editor. When you fix a problem, just mark it resolved and follow up with the affected user. That's HoneyBadger, where the monitoring tool for web developers would rather be, well, developing. Thank you, HoneyBadger. Thank you, HoneyBadger. I feel like a a rate limiting service is something that is like a much needed 
service, a, a, a middleware service that that developers don't have to worry about, where they say like, hey, as soon as it gets, as soon as whatever this call is gets out of bounds, like, let me know, throw a flag on it, because this is an operations and a DevOps thing that comes up all the time where, like, I accidentally hit Amazon 100,000 times over the weekend because of a, a miscount. But that exists. What is... So there's there's two different ones you're talking about there. There's accessing your API, rate limiting inbound. Sure. And then there's also rate limiting outbound. <clears throat> well, so inbound rate, rate limiting, limiting would be like Cloudflare. Cloudflare's one. Um, there are API gateways. AWS has one. I forget the name of it. But that, that would rate limit inbound just fine. Outbound. I'm trying to think of the name of it, Eric. We we were looking at it recently. Um, well, if, if it was an Amazon service, it would be called no, it'd be it called Sandbox or uh, Fairway. No, it wasn't an AWS. Oh, it was. I think it was a Honey Badger. It was. It was a Honey Badger product that they advertised with us, and then they they switched back to. Oh, what was that called? Well, oh now, man, now we're ungrateful lovers. No, yeah, now I feel really bad. Yeah. They they had that where you basically use them as a proxy, and then they would do the back off properly. They would try to hit another API for you, another endpoint. I would love and that. Then, yeah, I'll find it. I'll find it before the end of the show. Yeah, I don't, I don't we, think we were, a mean site. Yeah, we were advertising it for a little bit. You don't have a lot of time. No, I, it, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. You're tracking uptime integration. Yeah, it, it was a completely different product, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, step- I'll have to look it up. I, I know I know where I have it at, actually. I'll, I'll look it up real quick. While Hook, you relay. Hook relay. There you go. Called. Hook relay. Let's see if that's still a thing. Well, who's squeaking, by the way? That would be my dog, who's decided that I've I've done my podcasting thing long enough. Done your duty. It's time for for me to pay attention to them. So yeah, hookrelay.dev. Dev. Yep. See if it's still a thing. It's still a thing. It's still a thing. Matter of fact, I just got a uh, I just got an email. They're, they're I think they're coming out with another service, dude. You need look. Okay. <laughs> right, that's all. Go fetch monkey. All right, I just threw it the other side of the house. Take about fifteen minutes for it to get back here. No, we're calling him your dog now. <laughs> What's that? We're calling him your dog now. Her? No, she's yeah. not my dog. We're just we're just watching her for probably another two or three she's months. Fostering for another <laughs> ten years. Come here. Come here. Yeah, it sounds like it's a done deal. Uh, so yeah, Tom. Going back to what you're saying, this is what you're talking about, right? Where you are yeah, making I, outbound API calls, they fail because you are rate limited. It does the back off for you. Yeah, but so many. I mean, a so many APIs are terrible, and B they expect real time response, like request response behaviors. I think we. I think. As developers, as web developers, we need to get rid of the concept of expecting real-time uh, 
cross-domain response request response behaviors. Correct. I mean, with the APIs, it's supposed to be. I mean, you're supposed to give back a 200. Okay, I got your, <clears throat> I got your webhook. I got your request, but but yeah. that's no one is doing that. No one is, not no one. I I have not encountered an environment where we make a third party service call and then just say, hey, at some point they're going to respond to us outside of what they call webhooks. Well, webhooks, webhooks no, you, you, are classically shit. Well, webhooks aren't supposed to be real-time request-response, but, but other nothing, APIs are. Nothing. Like, I don't think they should. There's, but, there's too much probability of downtime. There's too much probability of bad data. Uh, you know, requesting data from a third party is always, always terrible. But 99% of the time, you are doing it to in real-time response to a request. Sure, 99% of the time, but I've got 15 external services, which means that 90, 92% of the time there's going to be an error somewhere along the system. So I think like Amazon deals with this in, in the way where their entire front end is built from microservices. And if they don't get a response within a certain amount of time, they just ignore that piece of data. Right. Like if I don't get a response from our uh, customer reviews endpoint, we're just not going to put customer reviews on the page. We'll render it without. Yeah, that that works for zero percent of the companies I've ever worked for. No, I agree. That that's not necessarily e- easy because usually when you're building a page, you need the data on there. Yeah. I can't I can't show you a product if I if I don't have the pricing and if if I'm getting that pricing from a third party. So if you if you always expect your data to be queued. And coming in much later than the request that you initially put out, then you can handle it correctly from the get-go. You can, but not as straightforward. I mean, what you're talking about is a drastic shift in how we all develop. Yes. I, I, get, a, I get a request from a user, from a browser. I need to immediately send off my request to these third party APIs. What do you what are you suggesting happens with the browser? Am I waiting to respond until I get those those things back from the APIs? Or are you saying respond to the browser and then they need to have a WebSocket open so as I get this data back, we can fill in the page? I haven't dealt with this in a long time and and the way that it it originally was was Comet, which was like an open connection not a WebSocket, like an open HTTP connection that just sat and waited. But I think as programmers, when we're looking at third-party services, we have to always say, this could take a half an hour to respond. Well, then you're not going to do the keep a socket open for sure. Right. You can't do Comet. You can do WebSockets or you can do... But I mean, but it user's not going to wait around for more than a couple seconds for well, the data they need. Depending on what it is. I, previously, I worked with loan applications where I had 
48 hour turnarounds on stuff. Well, that's like, not a that's not a web request where somebody needs a response right away. That's a your data has been submitted. We'll respond to you when we have an answer. You would be fucking surprised. Well, I've had that's not API, unusual. I've had APIs that expected there to be an operator to assess the request and hit OK or No, like yes or no, and then the response would return to the original requester. Like that's horrible. Yes, it's horrible, but people do it. People do. I've dealt with I've dealt with APIs in the past. I can't think of one off my top of my head where it would basically be a batch operation where I could send a bunch of data, and then they would respond with a "I got your request," and here's an ID for that request. And they would either webhook saying, "Hey, it's ready," or I could pull and say, "Hey, is is the data ready for this yet?" Quicken is a, let's call it, very large Fortune 500 company. I had an issue where when I sent them a receipt ID, their XML response had a recipient ID. They had misspelled receipt in the XML response. And I had to account for if they figured that out and eventually fixed it. Well, that's just being proactive. I mean, if they just fixed it without telling people, that would be dumb. The documentation did not match the response, which is something I could say about 75% of the companies I've done API work with. Yeah, don't look at my APIs and you'll complain about the same thing. (laughs) Right. right, Let's move on. Tom, we're going to move on. How's your week at your new company that you're going to fly to the left coast for? It's been difficult. Oh, no. I wasn't expecting that to be the return. (laughs) I know. Everyone is really great. And one of the most interesting things is that everyone is accountable for the stuff that they have written in the past. Well, you're not going to fit in at all. It's been a concern. So I've I've got uh, Git Blame is one of my like number one installed extensions for VS Code, where just bla- like figure out who wrote this line of code. That was used against me today, by the way. But go ahead. So I <laughs> I will contact people via Slack and say, hey, this Git Blame has your name on it from eight months ago, and everyone has been really gracious in saying. Oh, shit, man. That was eight months ago. I don't know. <laughs> that was my response, too. I mean, that's about right. I, I just tweeted about that, actually. <laughs> I, don't, I don't doubt that in the slightest. But one of the problems that I keep running into is that we've got these compound behaviors where initially the idea was do this one thing And then someone came in and said, hey, I sold a really large company a concept. And so that concept got added to it. So now we've got a nested if statement. And then another company comes in and they're like, the exact same thing, but I want the text to change here and then here. Like the top of the screen and the bottom of the screen. Now you've got code duplication 
in nested if statements, but you have to account for the older customers. So it's, I mean, like it's, I'm not saying that this is a, some unique experience for this company. This is literally what every company goes through when they do B2B business stuff. Mm. And I started out, the tickets I started out doing were all of these B2B tickets. And then I got a message today that says, hey, you're going to be leading up the B2B rewrite team, the new B2B team. And I'm like, that's great. That's awesome. Why am I leading up the B2B team? And it reminded me of this this one tweet from Elon Musk, of all people. Uh, the, t- the tweet was, uh, cook one meal doesn't make you a chef. Sew one button doesn't make you a tailor. But fuck one horse, and you're the horse fucker forever. It's like I came, I came in and took the hardest, the 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 worst thing on, and was like, I'm gonna be an expert at this part of the code first because then I'm gonna move on to the rest of the code. But now I'm the horse fucker. Now I'm. Now I have to. Wish you'd stop saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't now, anybody suggest that as a title either. It will not be the title. I will not use the F word in the title. I will say Tom loves horses. There's your title. Tom loves horses. Please don't. <laughs> you don't want to brought it up. It's totally happening I, now. You I, should know that. I, I, I dove like I dove headfirst into the code. Can we can we take that segment where he says I'm the and then make that a YouTube short? Oh, I like that. We we we've been talking about how we need to get into the whole YouTube short business. That might be our first foray. <laughs> I'm just I'm just very interested in animal husbandry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh See, I, I feel like we, we we do. You know, I'm going to go ahead and go over to our Patreons because I don't do segways as well. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to try to figure it out, but uh, probably not. Where? Oh, just the two of us. Yeah, well, you, you didn't watch him walk away. No, no, no. I I was on the Patreons. Here, watch this. Boom! I'm I'm prepared, baby. I'm prepared. Like that. Not, not yet. Now I just need to know when he comes back. So just give me a yeah. heads up. <laughs> so you don't have the uh, the video ninja screen up at the same time. I do. It's all it's over here on my other monitor. And the way the system's been acting, I'm afraid to move it. So <laughs> gotcha. everything's running. I just wanted to keep it running. <laughs> yeah. I, so we so we were talking while that Patreon screen was up. We saw the response that you can't couldn't hear us while we were on that screen. So we came back here. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to fix fix that because I ha- I had a had a little let's go Padres in there too. So oh, you you can't fix it while we're. I'll show you. I, uh, I could. I need to go studio mode, which Tom is all. Don't go studio mode. Oh, hi Tom, you're back. I'm sorry, I didn't see you there. <laughs> I'm gonna fix it. I'm gonna fix it while uh, 
You guys have to keep talking though while you fix it. Jesus. <laughs> That's fun. It's fun watching I, you kind of fumble through. I am very, very excited about this trip, but I'm afraid that I have spent too much money on it. Because like my concept of preparation for a trip is to have all of the things I need like gathered together. Eric, Eric, don't do what you're doing. Yeah, too late. You don't need you don't need the videos on there to get the sound. No, you do. No, you, you trust me. I know what I'm. Just put them behind the image. Just drag. Just them trust me. Hey, shh, shh. So, you do you. You do you. You let me do me. Okay. Uh, hey, uh, bought new suitcase. Bought new noise canceling headphones. Bought a couple games for the Nintendo Switch. Didn't didn't you already have all those things? This is my coping mechanism. And how dare you? If only there was a place you could go and talk to somebody about this stuff. I'm not a well-understood man. I think the people you work with would understand you. That's the whole point. Oh, no, that's, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> the problem there is they want to help, and I absolutely do not want help. I just, like, I want to exist in my own sphere of... Make them invisible. Yep, there you go. They have to be visible, but behind the top layer. You're I muted. can't hear you. You're <laughs> That's been the common theme for tonight. You're muted. I did that, but you were behind this. You kept showing up in front. No matter. Don't worry about it. Stop pestering me. Eric, good job. Thank you. Good job. Very good job. You know who else has done a great job? Buttery Crumpet. Our number one un- unseatable Patreon supporter. There we go. Now, I have to throw this out. I have not. <laughs> LFGSD. <laughs> That's what you were going to bring up. Now it makes sense. I have not brought up any Laravel stuff in a couple weeks because I just don't use Laravel. I want to know if it's missed. If does does Eric need to take up the mantle of the Laravel supporter? Well, I mean, I have Laravel things to discuss if if we ever get around to it. I mean, we're running a little long in time here. Was this the strict mode shit? I I, I hate you. <laughs> you're 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 going to be fired very soon from the show. I just want you to know that. Uh, like- so. Figured from the show. For the record, um, there was a very lively conversation going on in our Discord about foreign keys. And we had a brief conversation about it last week. We said we'd get back to it this week. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. But I do want to call out one thing that was brought up. Or one thing that we've been... that, That was... Yeah, that was brought up about our previous discussion of foreign keys, foreign keys and foreign key constraints are two separate topics, right? Now in saying that, yes, that's very true, but you know, there's also like, what's the purpose of a foreign key? If there's not a foreign key constraint at that point, yes, there's a foreign key, but it, you know, it could be anything, right? You know, the, the foreign key is just the, 
column in another table saying, go over here to get the data. But it, the, yeah, yeah, it doesn't the, even necessarily say go over here to get the data. It just says, hey, I have this column in my table called user right. ID. Now, if you happen to know that there's a user table and to look under IDs, you might find the person that this record belongs to. So, right. You are so correct. Yeah, it doesn't tell that, you where to go. The constraint tells you where to go to find the data and make sure that it that it exists. Exactly. So very valid point. And I, I think everybody still uses you know data point references, which would basically be a foreign key without the constraint. Um, sure. so it's it's a you know it was a good valid point that was brought up. Uh, but I think I, so there was a lot of question around why why are there businesses and services out there? Because we talked about John, what's it called? Planet scale. Planet scale that didn't support foreign key constraints. And I guess this person referenced uh, a GitHub article that was posted. So, yeah, you know, like I said, I've stopped using foreign key constraints uh, in a lot of my code. I haven't run into a situation where I miss it yet. I thought I was going to miss like the on cascade on delete. A little bit, but no, not really. Um, so, a little inside baseball here. I recently had a massive bug related to a unique key that had an on duplicate key update behavior. I'm sorry, say that again. If you have a unique foreign key relationship, or a unique, any actually any unique key relationship. As you say, it's not on foreign keys; it's on indexes. Then you can have keys. you can have an on duplicate key update behavior. But that's on your query, not on the table. Right. But the, I, the structure of the table affects the query. So if I change the structure of the table to say this is also a part of the for uh, of the key. Well, then you're that, changing the key. No, 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 no. I'm. I if I. Yes, if I change the table, the behavior of the query changes. Depending on on what your on duplicate update does. Right. So, in but, general, I, I I use I use this feature often I, in it with a counter. This this is a terrible feature. If it's I add a terrible feature, if I add data to the query, then the duplicate key can just drop the data from the query completely. And if I alter the table so the key is different, then I can collide or not collide on something I'm expecting to collide on. It is this. It is an old concept that the database should structure the code and that the developers should always understand the nature of the database, but it's not always true and it ca- it, it's it has it has caused me a lot of grief the last week. Hmm. Like a lot of grief. Explain how you use it, John. So I will so in some tracking code in a couple other places I'm looking at now, 
originally it was just an insert into a table. And then it was, well, it's already there. Let's increment a counter. So you say insert into table, blah, 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 all your normal insert on duplicate key, set this field equal to the field plus one. So now you have a counter field of this action has happened multiple times. So it's, if it doesn't exist, put it in. It's almost like a, a replace statement to a point, but instead of replacing, it's now altering the data that's in there. So you're yes, you are relying on that key existing or some sort that? of duplicate key. If you what add you a second duplicate key, what? What do you name that method? It's not a method. It's just a query. Right. So that query exists in a method. What do yeah, you name that method? insert or update in this specific one I'm looking at. What a terrible, terrible... This, this other one is called create record. I'm not saying it's great code. I'm saying this is how I use it so or is, it has been used. When I say... I, got, I don't even care what the I, method is called. Screwed. It's how it's being used. I got screwed on this for a week because the method I was calling was insert user record. And then within that method, it was... Actually updated if... It the exists. Email is the same, but the first and last names are different. So basically, if that you if the username exists by email address, go ahead and update the the record. So you're calling that a bug, but the method was called insert new user record because yeah. the foresight of having a multi-domain system. Eight months ago, 12 months ago, wasn't there. So now that we have to support a multi-domain system, I have to have a site ID as part of the unique key. Mm -hmm. And the name of the method no longer matches the behavior that it executes. But it never did. But right. just to be clear, this has nothing to do with foreign key constraints. We, we've moved off of that in the another realm of database fun. And no, we're, just we're because you don't like that it's used that way doesn't mean it doesn't have a purpose oh. or a value. Well, I don't like that you have a, a backup parachute. How's that feel? <laughs> <laughs> I will make sure to take it out next time I go flying. Hmm. We're falling. We're falling. Slowly falling. All right, so we really, talked about Laravel earlier. That is the next time you go falling. And we'll continue to talk about Laravel. I I mentioned a couple of shows back about how I haven't really been on Laracast in a while. And no sooner did I say that, Jeffrey Way starts showing up in my YouTube stream. And um, has a, So you're saying that Jeffrey Way is listening to your podcasts? I think so. I really do think so. But he has a great video out. Uh, Tom had alluded to this. Look how happy he is. See, this is why you want to watch the stream. You can see how happy Jeffrey Way is. And no, you, you're not supposed to be able to hear it, so it's fine. I know you can't hear it. I actually have it muted on my computer. But uh, so, yeah, uh, I guess I should scroll this up a little bit. So he has this video out about the... Um, the new Laravel, new strict mode in Laravel. 
and that and I've implemented this on the API backend that I'm working on. It seems like a really good idea. Uh, Jeff Jeffrey Way actually had a so this is our free video. I talked about Laracast. Laracast is the paid service he has. This is he's been releasing videos on YouTube again. Maybe he's been doing it this whole time. Let me let me see because I feel I feel like this is like all of a sudden he started releasing videos again. Um, videos uh, nine hours ago, two days ago, three days ago, seven days ago. I guess he's been pretty consistent for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I guess he's always been releasing videos. I don't know why he never popped up on my stream before. Because you but, don't subscribe. Uh, Look at that. I do not subscribe. Wow. Good call. Oh, this is not my account. This is the PHP Ugly account. So, uh, yeah. No, I, I do. I, I, I've got to subscribe. Uh, we should check that out at some point. But So, yeah, the Laravel Strict Mode is pretty good. Uh, pretty A pretty cool idea. If you've ever done any amount of development in Laravel, there are certain behaviors that aren't obvious uh, to the naked eye, to like an unseasoned laravel developer it might not make sense why a certain behavior is happening the biggest one of the bigger ones and one of the one of the ones that this addresses is that uh, when you have a model if you you define fillable fields and then you go to do a mass uh, mass create if the if the if one of the things you're trying to add to that record isn't in the fillable f- field, it just won't. It just won't create it, right? <clears throat> so the column may exist. Like, let me get off this because that, that's distracting. It drops the the, co- the 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 column the column may exist. So you know, let's say your know, phone number, right? The the column phone number might exist, but if you don't have it as, as a fillable f- field, and you go to do a a mass create you pass it a phone number and then all of a sudden you go to your record it's like hey where the hell is my phone number like the record creates you don't get any errors everything works but you go to the record you're like hey where the hell is my phone number we've all if you've ever ever done any amount of development time in laravel you've you've probably been bitten with this this is why a lot of people just instead of using fillable, they use guarded and set it to an empty array, which basically says, hey, you know, everything's fillable, which I don't understand the purpose of having the fillable if, if everybody's going to do that, but whatever, it happens. Well, in strict mode, this will now throw you an error. It would say, hey, I wasn't able to create this record because you know, you passed something that's not fillable. So can I correct you a little bit mm-hmm. it throws a catchable exception which something like honey badger could handle very easily without disrupting service this is if you're in strict mode yes i don't think he's gotten there yet mm-hmm. All right. so so now now it will throw will throw an exception for you so it's little things like that. So some of the some of the ways that Laravel, you know, would kind of protect you, but end up having you shoot yourself in the foot. Strict mode kind of removes some of that. Um, 
it is a nice feature. And the cool thing about, which I never even considered doing, uh, the cool thing about this video from Jeffrey Way is he explains how to enable it in all the environments pr- but production. So, or how to how to only enable it in production, right? Nope, sorry. How to how to how to only how to enable it in all environments but production. So, as you're doing development, you have the strict mode enabled. You're catching these errors. Errors. They're not like hidden from you. You can fix them, and but you don't break production. But you don't break production. And my phone number example is a little contri- contri- contrived. But contrived. Yep. The you know what really happens is if like for phone number was a required column, like there was no there was no default value or something, right? Then you then you start getting this error of hey. You know, no default value for phone number, and you're saying, "Well, I passed the phone number. I, 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 there doesn't have to be a default value. I passed it a phone number," and you, you end up in you know, kind of spinning your wheels for a while trying to figure out why that happened. What, what happens in that case if you don't have strict mode on? Does it accept it and put a like try to fix it for you? So Laravel's great at cascading behaviors. Um. But one of the issues has been that if you if you say you're assigning a bunch of stuff to a model and then to try to apply it, the stuff that's not fillable just gets ignores. dropped. Just yeah, vanishes. it just ignores it. So, right. so you so you should be getting that error from the database anyway, saying I have no default value. So that's not right. a, that shouldn't be a strict mode thing. So this is your model defines your database structure. So, Tom, your mic is your mic is horrible, but let, let me try to let me try to explain it a little bit more to John. So, so the issue is, a if you if it's not a required column, or if you do have a default value there, but b what what you end up as a developer doing is you it sits there and says, hey, there's no default value defined for this required column, and in your head. You're saying, I'm looking at the SQL statement. I'm passing a phone number. I don't need a default value. I've passed you a phone number. And you don't understand why it's ignoring it. Because Got keep you. in mind. So, so now it's a more explicit error is what right. you're saying. With, with strict mode, it's you're you're not allowed to pass phone number to me. So I've I've removed it versus a database error. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because keep in mind, it's still accepting the call because, because the reason why it's failing is because it's not a fail fillable property. Right. So does this only affect this whole fillable guarded model thing or is strict mode do more than just that uh there's there's three there's three phases of strict mode that was one of them uh i'm honestly blanking on what the other two were while you're while you're thinking about that you you brought up strict mode not in production this is similar to having different error reporting levels in production and development where in develop you might have e-all meaning i want every error i mean with one of my projects, you, you should see the error reporting level. It is ridiculous. It's e all and 
not deprecated, not user this, not this. Like it's basically just hide all of these errors from me. When you turn it on in develop, oh my God, it's a nightmare because again, Codebase has been around for 15 years. You've got tons of, you know, this, this array index isn't, doesn't exist and all the warnings that are there to protect you, but the code still works. Yeah. So to expand on that a little bit, if you're updating your currently logged in user's business address and you add phone number as a field to the business address relationship. When you go into the code, it looks like you're just saying users, business address, phone number. It's very, very easy to forget that phone number has to be a fillable field on the address model related to the business model related to the user model. So like, there, there are simple examples, but the, the more realistic world example is when you add something, this shit comes up all the time in Laravel. Mm-hmm. The fillable is... If, if you're not using fillable, you're using guarded, the star guarded, mm-hmm. and you're screwing up the security layer that's there for that whole model. So to answer your question, John, uh, so that's prevent silently discarding attributes, which is one we just talked about. The other uh, strict mode mode strict mode mode is prevent lazy loading. So um, historically, if you pulled if you pulled a record from a model and it had relationships, even if you don't load those relationships, even if you don't explicitly say, "Hey, I want users." with addresses like in addresses being a different table right being a relationship mm-hmm. to a different table if you don't do it Laravel will lazy load it for you anyway so if, if you say hey get me this user oh what is their address and uh, you know as long as you address it through the relationship it, it will it will give it to you it doesn't it, it, strict mode will there's a strict mode to prevent that and then maybe Tom, you have some experience with this. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember the details around it. The third one was called um, present uh, prevents accessing missing attributes. So I guess you used to be able to. Are you? Not, I keep saying used to. You still can if you don't have this enabled. But you're able to call attributes that aren't actually in the table. Dynamically added attributes. Uh, yeah. So we, we've got getters and setters in Laravel models. And if you call a getter that doesn't exist, it returns null. So right. you, it, it doesn't it doesn't let you know it's not actually there. It just right. says, Oh hey, you want to uh, you know somebody our uh, users you know wait? Oh well it's null. It so doesn't the, say the most common example is full name. If you have a Get uh, this is snake case. If you have a get full name attribute method in your model, then it will call a custom closure that you can concatenate the first name and the last name. However, in Laravel, if you call a 
getter that doesn't exist. It just returns null. So this allows you to say, <clears throat> don't allow me to call things that don't magically exist. And this is one of the this is one of the magic calls in Laravel that people have a lot of problem with, and uh, this strict mode catches that. And so to be clear, there there are three different strict modes you can enable. Those were the three we talked about, or you can just enable one that's called should be strict, and it just essentially enables all three for you. So yeah, cool stuff, but. I think that's it, man. I feel like we've run a little long. I feel like I've talked to you guys for a couple hours now. Fucked all the horses. (laughs) I'm sure Tom's got some horse porn to go look at, so I'm going to wrap this up pretty quickly. All right, that's going to do it for episode 308. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep it it ugly. One, two, one, two, uh, coming off the top, y'all know how we do, listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish, I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric, yo, he's never on some average shit, you know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate, I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song, yo, shout the host named Thomas, cause he's never wrong, yo, shout to John, you know that he's smart and quiet, unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot, I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me, shouts out to PHP, the ugly, it's called ugly cause it's not professional, but I'm about to come through and bless it with style, so let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room, yo, the segment of the show is called doom and gloom, that came from Thomas, yeah, can nobody go beyond this, I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise, yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish, we talking about the PHP, the programming language, about to break it down, no exaggeration, what do y'all do for a living web applications, okay, I I can dig it, my words spray tight, uh, they're getting together on the Thursday nights, yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude, I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube, so let's get it, you know my lyrics are major, all up in the comments, they got plenty of haters, but they doing what they doing, keep it ugly, we ending every show with the saying it's lovely, let's go, yeah, come on.